Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. God had a plan and he fulfilled it through his son. <laughs> wow. Well, today is a very special day. This is the day in history. This day actually coincides with the day in history when Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Out from that garden tomb he came. So many of you have been with me to Israel and we've toured so many of the things there that we read in the Bible, so many of the places. You know, uh, I forget how many trips we've taken now, just taking, you know, group after group after group. Uh, I was privileged to take 13 of the Southern Baptist preachers from our community here on their first pilgrimage there and share with them uh, all of the things in the Holy Land, as well as a whole group of interdenominational pastors. I think about 16 pastors I took on that trip to give them their familiarization with the Holy Land. And overall, when we visit things, the number one thing that people love is that empty garden tomb. Ooh, going into that garden and finding that tomb that is just the descript of what we read in the Bible. Seeing the crack in the wall that was caused by an earthquake right up to the point to where that big stone was rolled so that an earthquake would have hit that stone and rolled it back in its little trough way too big for any man to roll back by themselves. It would take a garrison of soldiers, you know, a squad of soldiers to accomplish that. Amazing, when you step in, all the other tombs that have been hewn into rocks were found to have, when you walk in, there is a weeping chamber, and then farther in, there are what are called loculi. That's the place where where uh, they laid the bodies. But in this particular one, in that garden tomb, right beside the place of the skull, right on top of, of Mount Moriah, in a little place, in a little hill they call Calvary and Golgotha, right in that garden, just beside that, you know, um, beside Calvary. There you find a particular shaped tomb. We know it was made for a rich man because of the way it's carved. And when you, when you look in, you can't look in unless you bend down to look in because there was a short opening. And when you look in, you can see two things. As you walk, as you get in, to the left is a weeping chamber. Instead of being right there as you walk into it, you have to come in and go to the left. And to the right, instead of farther in, to the right, there are two loculi, two places that have been carved out to lay, presumably a rich man and his wife. But the one on the far side, the one you can see when you bend down and look in, was carved so beautifully Originally, it was made specifically for a wealthy man and for him particularly because it was 
as long as he was tall. But something interesting about it, it has been quickly, very, very quickly, rough-hewn another four to five inches to accommodate someone who it was not originally made for. To accommodate someone who was a little taller and to accommodate them in a very hurried manner. Quickly. It's still rough hewn. Just the description of what Peter and John and Mary observed as they went that morning. And when they looked in, the one they could see, they could see. And what an amazing thing. Well, I'm here to tell you today that that tomb is empty. Hanging on the door <laughs> is a sign that says he is risen. He is not here. Wow. How wonderful. Today, our Lord is alive. Amen. Amen. Today, we are not continuing on our series, by the way, but in a way that we are. You know, we have been in a, a, a many-week series, and last week we finished our series on the enemies of the soul, but guess what? Today, we're going to be talking about the last enemy. The last enemy. You can turn to the book of Corinthians if you would like to and follow along. I am here to tell you that all praise belongs to God because he had a plan and his plan involved and included Jesus, his son, giving his life on the cross of Calvary, going into a tomb and on the third day being resurrected. Today is a day that we celebrate the resurrection. By my calculations, which could be off a little bit, it's been 1,988 years, 13 hours and 26 minutes since Jesus was raised from the dead. Okay, you can say, how can you be so exact? Well, what time do you think it has been? <laughs> oh, you don't even have a time. Okay, well, if you don't have one, why not go with mine? And if you study and find me wrong, come and share it with me, okay? And we'll, we'll discuss it, and I might change to agree with you. But uh, by my calculations, it's been 1,988 years, 13 hours, and 26 minutes. If Jesus was resurrected about 6 o'clock, if it was 5, it's been 14 hours and 26 minutes, okay? All right. <laughs> God is good, amen? I believe in the resurrection, the last enemy. This morning, we're going to discover this last enemy and how we can defeat this last enemy. You might say, hold on a second. I have an enemy that, I haven't, that we haven't talked about. I thought we covered all the enemies in this last few weeks. Well, we covered uh, all of them but the last one, okay? And today, I have some good news for you. Amen. That last enemy has been defeated. First Corinthians chapter 15. This is the apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth, a very eclectic group. They were an international group of businessmen and businesswomen, former worshipers of many false gods. And he's writing them his heart by the word of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit to an educated group of international people who had been born again. 
Listen to what he says. He said in verse 1, I'm reading from the New King James Version. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved. Remember, the gospel is the power of salvation. You are saved by the gospel. If you hold fast to the word that I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, unless you were just really teasing or weren't sincere, unless you were lying about believing, if you have believed, you are saved. He goes on in verse 3. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Glory. Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. And after that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. And after that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Wow. Now, the apostle Paul here is, is setting the stage as he's closing this letter to the Corinthians to let them know that he has declared the gospel of Jesus Christ unto them. And it is the gospel that has saved them. The fact that Jesus was crucified, died for their sins, was buried and was raised the third day and was seen by many that Jesus showed himself alive by many infallible proofs. Then verse 8, then last of all, Paul writes, he was seen by me also as by one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. You see, the apostle Paul is saying to them that what I used to be, I'm not anymore, and it's by God's grace. I once was a persecutor of the church, and I'm not worthy in my own flesh to, to claim anything, but I want you to know it is by the grace of God that I am what I am, that God has recovered me and delivered me, and I'm no longer what I was, but by his grace, I am born again. He says, and his grace toward me was not in vain. Means he didn't waste his grace on me, but I labored. I worked very hard because he saved me. I saw my salvation so valuable that I placed my trust and my labor in his hands. I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. You see, it was only by his grace that I even had a chance to do anything for him. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach and so you believe. Because we proclaim the gospel, people believe. Because we tell others, people believe. Verse 12, now... If Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Verse 17. 
And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Are you hearing what the Apostle Paul is laying down as doctrine of the church? That if Christ is not risen, you are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep, those who have died in Christ, have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. If our faith and our trust in Christ as a resurrected Lord and Savior, if we have misplaced that, if that is not the truth, if it is not uh, what happened, then you should pity every preacher and every born-again Christian because what we have believed and what we have placed our trust in is not true and nothing different will happen to us because we believed than will happen to the people who did not believe. If that is true, then you should pity us above all people on the earth because we have lived a life and, and given our energy and our hopes and placed our trust in something that's not going to happen. We should be pitied. What a shame it would be to have believed and to have taught others something that is not true. People who believe a lie should be pitied, especially those who give their lives to promote a lie. Verse 20, by conviction of the Holy Spirit, Paul says, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his order, Christ the firstfruits, after those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end. Everybody say the end. The end is coming. Then comes the end when he, Jesus, delivers the kingdom to God the Father and Jesus puts an end to all rule and all authority and all power for he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. <laughs> the last enemy. That's why we have that title today. Today we're going to talk a little bit about the last enemy. The last enemy, death. This particular word death, this word death, it means something very strong and very certain and very sure. I, I've written it down so that you can read as well as what I, what I say Hear what I say. This word death, the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Death means the separation of the body and the soul of man when life on earth has ended. When darkness and misery claims the soul because of sin. This is death. 
It's the separation. Today, when we read the Word of God and we read in the New Testament, when we read this word death, I want you to understand what the Apostle Paul is talking about. Every time I say the word death, I want you to reflect on its meaning. It means the separation of a body and soul. At the end of this life, the soul is separated from the body when life on earth ends. And the soul is taken into a place of darkness and misery because of sin. That's what death means. That's the enemy. You might say, is that what is going to happen to me? Let's read it and see. Because death is the same as Jesus experienced. Hebrews chapter 2. The Bible talks again about the enemies and Jesus has put all things under his feet. How be it, verse 8 said in Hebrews 2, we don't now see all things under his feet. Verse 9 says, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels. Why? For the suffering of death. So that at the end of his life, the reason he was made a little lower than the angels and, and, and given a different body, given a mortal body, given a human existence, the reason why Jesus was not only the Son of God but the Son of Man, the reason he was made a little lower than the angels is so that he could suffer a separation of his body and his soul when his life on earth was ended and be taken into darkness and misery because of sin. You see, we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned. We see him crowned with glory and honor that he, by grace of God, might taste death for everyone. The reason the Son of God became flesh and blood for one reason, so that he might taste the separation of the soul and body where the soul at the end of this earthly life is taken into a dark abyss where there is misery that's death and he tasted it for everyone verse 14 of Hebrews 2 inasmuch then as the children you and I have partaken of flesh and blood Jesus himself Likewise, shared in the same, he became flesh and blood. Why? That through death, that through the experience of having his soul separated from his body, 
at the end of this life on earth and his soul being taken into a dark place so that he himself through death might destroy him who had the power over the separation of the soul and the spirit and the claiming of soul in hell. Jesus became flesh and dwelled among us and we beheld his images of the only begotten, but he suffered death for us. He tasted death. Verse 15, he destroyed him who had the power over death. That is the devil. The devil had the power. The devil had power over what happened to your soul at the point of death. The devil had the power. He had the power of death. He had the power to claim your soul because of sin. He had the power to condemn your soul to hell because of sin. And Jesus experienced death so that he might stand toe-to-toe with him who had the power over this death and destroy him and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. You see, he has released us from the fear of death because the fear of death will keep you in bondage all of your life. There will come a separation of your body and your soul when your life on earth is over. That will happen. And were it not for the resurrection, death and darkness and misery would claim your soul and hold it captive forever. The good news this morning is that if you will put your trust in Jesus Christ as Son of God and Savior of the world, if you will believe the gospel that he died for your sins, if you will believe the gospel that he was buried for you and that he tasted death for you and that he was raised victorious over sin, death, hell, and the grave, if you will believe and call upon the name of the Lord, you will never taste death for yourself. That's the good news. That is the gospel. That's the whole gospel. That's the whole truth from the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation and to all eternity beyond that those who place their trust in Jesus Christ 
who call upon him to save their soul, those who are born again will never die, will never taste death. Satan has no claim to your soul. There will be no darkness, no misery, but there will be a joy and the light of life and you will be accepted into the arms of a loving Savior for to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. That is the gospel and the great hope of every born-again Christian. Paul continued writing in 1 Corinthians 15. He said in verse 54 that death is swallowed up in victory. Verse 57, thanks be unto God who gives us this victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see the resurrection is your only hope. This is why the resurrection is taught so strongly in so many countries around the world. Because it is the resurrection that separates our God from all the other gods. It is the resurrection which proves is the sign and the seal by God himself upon Jesus Christ as the one and only Savior of the world, victorious over death. In order to escape eternal death, we must be born again. We must receive eternal life through Christ by faith. It is the good news. It is the one story that is worth telling. That's why Jesus, upon his resurrection, the first orders he gave was to go and tell. The last words we have from him on earth before his ascension was go and tell the good news. I know it can be hard to witness to friends and family and to tell them that you have seen, that you have heard, that you have felt, that you have believed in Jesus. No one knows this better than Mary Magdalene, who was there at that garden tomb on the first morning resurrection. She was sent to tell her friends that Jesus was alive. She was sent with the gospel, and they did not believe her. Luke 24 says that their words... Her words seemed to them like idle tales. But Mary shared the gospel because Jesus asked her to. She didn't see any fruit, but Jesus asked her to share the gospel. Jesus asked her to tell them that he who died for their sins and was buried in the tomb was raised to life. She told him, but it seemed like idle tales. However, because she shared the gospel, Jesus became responsible for the outcome. And Jesus continued, as he said, he worked with her testimony. And he confirmed her word with signs following. Even when it took him showing up in person, to those same people that thought that she was imagining something. Bless her poor little heart. He showed up and they had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. I'm telling you the seeds that we sow, even though it might look like others aren't receiving them, it might look like 
that they're thinking we are crazy. We're believing that. And it may seem to them like idle tales, but if we will sow the seeds, Jesus himself will watch over those seeds we sow. And even if it takes a personal encounter with him, he will show himself alive and they will have the chance to believe he is Lord and Savior. If I can do anything this morning, I would tell you that if you are not born again, get born again because you're going to die. There is no reason that you have to experience death. Jesus tasted it for you. If you are a born again believer, you do not have to taste death for yourself. A second thing, if you are saved, then I challenge you to go and tell the good news. Jesus is alive. 